Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I know we, uh, uh, we normally do our announcements and meet and greet and all that stuff at the very beginning of service, but we've got a, a cool opportunity. I'm going to invite Devin. Come on up here, brother. Uh, Devin, um, everybody say hi, Devin. Devin is a part of a ministry called um, Life of Hope in Guatemala. And so he's going to share just a, a little bit of his heart about the ministry and uh, just what God's doing there. And I want to reiterate again, um, if you're interested after you've listened to Devin and maybe got to stir in your heart a little bit, we're going to have a, an informational meeting right after church at 1045, um, right after the 1045 service at noon. Pizza provided. I know some of you guys will be going home. Come back if you want to. And uh, you get an opportunity to listen to um, just a, a little bit more about what's happening at Life of Hope. We'll feed you, and then we're going to do a missions trip there. And so I want to encourage you guys, even if you're going to go home, to come back and, and, and check that out. So Devin, take it away, brother. Thanks, Aaron. Right, good morning. My name is Devin Chance. I'm the director of Life of Hope Ministries, and um, I've been on staff for 10 years now. And um, as a ministry, we've been in existence, as far as what the government knows, um, for 15 years. Um <laughs> Working in Guatemala City, and, and one of the things that's drawn me and endeared me to this ministry is that the, the work is happening in Guatemala City by locals. And so what we're doing is coming alongside of those locals and finding a way to resource, to partner with them, bring in short-term mission trips, whatever we can do to, to empower them to do the work that God's really already called them to do. So it's not a matter of me going down and telling them how they need to minister to their own people. They're already running these various ministries, um, and, and we're coming alongside. And so... You know, it's community centers and schools uh, because school is, education is not a, a required thing in the country. You know, you can't just choose to not send your five-year-old to school when it's time to start. They just have to go. And that's not the case in the country. And so scholarships for school are, is a huge thing for us. Um, street rescue, which is really kind of how our ministry got its feet, um, working with very young kids who are living in the street because of home situations or whatever it may be. They've been abandoned or they've run away from home and, and trying to rescue kids. Um, and then, you know, there's so many different programs that we've started in an effort to try to accomplish this. It, it's, it's difficult to capture someone once they've lived in the street for many years. And I know that sounds rogue to us. Like you would think you should just be able to offer a young kid a place to stay and food and they would just love to come off the street, but it's not the case. Um, and so what we've really tried to do is, is also step back a bit in the process and say, how do we stop it from happening in the first place? How do we prevent these kids from ever getting to this point? And so that's where education comes in. We have a medical clinic where we see about 10,000 patients a year come through this medical clinic. But all these different ministries are being operated by locals, um, which is such a key element of this mission if it's going to sustain itself long term. Um, so I've, I've bored you with statistics and numbers and all these kinds of things. Um, I want to say two things to you. First, we are going to have a missions meeting um, or a, like an informational meeting after the second service. If you can't be at that and you still have some questions or some interest, you can come and find me. I'll be the, the giant guy over in the corner. Um, so feel free to come and talk to me if you have questions or can't make it to the meeting or whatever. The second thing is this morning I had the chance, to, the privilege to come in early and I listened to uh, the brothers and sisters as they were practicing this morning um, for worship. And, and I listened to, to Bree singing, This Is How I Fight My Battles. And 
man, I love the song. And the song makes me think of one of, one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. And, and I want you guys, if you can, I'm a visual person, so try to visualize this with me. In Luke chapter 7, it's one of my favorite stories. It's, it's short and it's simple and it's sweet. But it's about a, a widow in the town of Nain. And the way the story starts, it says that Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were moving toward the city gate of Nain. It says, coming out of the city in a funeral procession, essentially, is a widow who's lost her only son. And there's a large crowd that's following her. So picture this if you can. And, and particularly in that point in time, the city gate would undoubtedly be where battles and wars happened. That's where the battles for territory are going to be fought at the city gate. So here's this giant crowd, Jesus leading the way, coming to the city gate. Here's this giant crowd led by perhaps the, the widow, perhaps pallbearers in a casket. But they meet at the city gate. So there's a battle, right? Here's the life march with Christ leading the way. And here's a march of death coming out of the city. Now, those of us who are believers, we know which camp we're in. We know that Christ has already done to us exactly what he did to that young man in the casket. He put his hand on the casket and said, get up. That's happened for all of us. But that's the battle, right? As I hear Bree and I hear the group singing that this morning, this is how I fight my battles. That's the picture. That's what we're in the middle of. We're in the middle of it in Guatemala. I'm in the middle of it in my own home in Missouri. And whether you're alert and aware to it or not, you're in the middle of it here. You are. So I want to challenge you guys. I want to encourage you guys to keep fighting that battle. The, way, the only way that we can fight that battle is to be part of that march that's life. To be part of that march. That's the only way that we can do it. So thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. And, and if you guys have any interest, I'd love to talk with you after the service or hopefully you can come to the meeting later. So thank you very much. Awesome. Let's thank Devin for coming. Stay up here, brother. Uh, stay right there. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Devin, come back up here real quick. So we always love to pray over missionaries. And so, uh, church, if you get an opportunity, extend a handout. Let's pray over Devin and let's pray over Life of Hope and everything that they're putting their hands to. This is what he said about uh, Guatemala City, where they're at. He said it's about 17 miles by 13 miles, roughly. I may have botched that a little bit. But s roughly 7 million people in a little area. And, and so you can imagine, you can imagine the, all the different things that they're encountering there. And so let's just pray um, that, that it wouldn't just be a, a, a name, Life of Hope, but it would truly be what's happening there. Amen. Let's pray that in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Devin, and we thank you for the ministry that you've given him. God, for the voice that you've given him for the Guatemalan people. But more than that, Father, we thank you that you filled him with your spirit. And so, God, when he walks and when he talks and where he goes, he does it on behalf of the God of the universe. And so, God, we ask that you would open doors up for them, um, both here in the United States, Father, for support, for people to come and partner with them in missions and ministry, but also, God, that you would open up even more doors, God, in Guatemala there. We pray, Father, that partnerships would be formed. God, we're asking that we would see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we thank you, God, for Devin. We thank you for his heart. We thank you that he can be here with us today. Bless him and his family and all of those, God, that are working with Life of Hope. God, sustain them in this season, Father. Give them new vision, new dreams, Father, that you have for them, Father. And we pray that it's all done for your glory, your fame, your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One more time, let's thank Devin for coming. <clears throat> How many of you guys love you some Jesus today? Yeah?
Amen. Amen. Well, first of all, if you're a visitor, it's good to have you guys with us here uh, at Reliance. We call us of a family, so uh, by you being here by default, you're part of the family. Um, we're going to take the next couple of weeks leading up into April, because um, in April we'll, we'll be kind of doing a, a series on resurrection, so <laughs> life and what's going to happen in that. And so, um, But we really wanted to take kind of the month of March and talk a little bit about what does it look like to have godly character? What does it look like to have the character of Christ in our life? And so... Um, um, we're going to be talking about kind of our hearts. We're going to be talking about our attitudes. We're going to be talking about our minds, our tongue, what comes out of our mouth, the things that we seek after. And so we're going to cover all of those things because we really believe that character in Christ is a big deal. Amen? When you come into Christ, something begins to happen in your character. Actually, uh, maybe you've heard this before, but I, I read it like this before somebody shared, and it said, it's talking about the principle of sowing and reaping, that what you sow is also what you reap. And so he says, when you sow a thought, you reap an action. When you sow an action, you reap a habit. When you sow a habit, you reap a character. And here's the key, when you sow a character, you reap a destiny, Amen. And so we think that character is a big deal. And we think that God talks a lot about character in Scripture. And so um, I don't know about you, but um, I've got some character flaws. Anybody have character flaws out there? Some of you guys are honest. Some of you guys are, yeah, said no. That's awesome. Um, character, no, I'm just kidding. Like we all got it, right? We all have character flaws. And, and if you don't believe me that we all have character flaws, put your kid in kids wrestling. I'm just saying right now. We, this is Christy and I's first year where my son Trace, we put him in, in kids wrestling. I'm just telling you right now, that's a whole different group of people, all right? And, and, and I'm watching, like, I, I love to watch my son wrestle, but I really love to watch people. I've shared this with you, I think, before in here. But I'm telling you, man, going to those kids wrestling matches, it's life and death, right? And, and, and here's the problem. The problem is, is that I'm there to watch my son, but I get caught up in it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, and, and yet I get caught up in it, but I, I get caught up in it with like Christian things. Like I try to wrap Christ around my character flaws. So I'll go up to my son who's getting ready to wrestle and I'll be like, buddy, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So you better put that kid down and put him down hard, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, in Jesus, all right? Pat him on the back and he goes, I mean, I've, I've got issues and, and I've noticed something that more character flaws than not come out when competition comes, all right? We were reminiscing about this the other day, Matt and I and some of the staff. Matt and I have coached together a few times, different teams, and that never ends well, I'm just saying. And, and we, were, we were just reminiscing about how our character kind of flaws come out when we're coaching kids. And we coached a, a, a kids flag football team years ago together. And I'll never forget, I was trying to get the kids motivated. <laughs> don't, don't judge me, all right? And these kids were just not motivated. This one kid was like, everybody's my friend, coach. And I'm like, you don't have friends, right? I've told you this, on the football field. And he was like, but I want friends on the football field. And I'm like, when you're on the football field, they're not your friends. And so Matt comes in and we're, we're literally just talking about this the other day. He comes in and he goes, that's not what he meant. What he meant was when you're on the football field, you want to beat your friends, right? Like you want to beat your friends. You don't want your friends to beat you. And I go, no, that's not what I meant. I mean, on the football field, they don't have friends, Matt. So here we are, two pastors, right? <laughs> Worship pastor, youth pastor, and then I'm the pastor. And so here we are, and Matt's like, no, I think what he meant. And I was like, no, that's not what I meant. I mean, on the football field, they don't have friends. And Matt goes, Aaron, you can't say that they don't have friends. I'm like, I'm telling them right now, they don't have friends. All the kids are back behind us going, do we have friends or <laughs> do we not? And I, 
I literally, I see like character flaws. That anybody resonate? Come on now, don't leave me hanging. In fact, I lost my voice, just so you know, because I was yelling at that wrestling match. I'm just telling you. And so I just, I, I feel like we all have them. And so how do we get good character? If, if God is really big on, on character, and I believe he is, and, and he even talks about, uh, 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 he talks about it when he's even picking his leaders, when he goes, and of course they put all these guys of stature, all David's brothers, they line up all David's brothers, and it, you know, they're good looking, tall, handsome guys, and, and he says something, he goes, God doesn't look at the physical appearance, he looks at the what? The heart, which the heart you could look at as a character. So, so, so long before David ever knew he was going to be king, God saw a character of this shepherd boy, and he realized that there was something there in David's heart that had good character. And so I think that when we talk about character, it's important. And, and so today what I want to do is I want to focus on our mind and our thoughts because going back to that thing that I read, which is when you sow a thought, you reap an action. When you reap an action, you reap a habit. When you reap a habit, you reap a character. When you, or when you sow a character, you, you reap a destiny. It all begins with a thought. It starts here. It starts with our mind. And so I want to talk a little bit about our mind. I was just kind of reading up on, on the mind a little bit and, and our thoughts. The average person has around 50,000 to 75,000 thoughts a day. Did you know that? Somebody probably made that up. I'm just saying. But, but this said, the average person has about 50,000 to 75,000 thoughts a day. And, and these thoughts range maybe from positive thoughts to, to, to negative thoughts. And, and I was really thinking about that. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if you were to write down every thought you ever had. I wonder how that would weigh out with one another. Would it be more positive thoughts or more negative thoughts? Would you have more of a positive spirit or more of a critical spirit inside of you? And then I thought, well, if you were driving on Kellogg, you'd have 100,000 thoughts, amen? <laughs> and none of them would be positive. But when you think about that, when you think about your thought life, would you want people to know all of the thoughts that are going on in your mind at all times? <laughs> that tells a lot about our character, doesn't it? I mean, that's overwhelming right there. I mean, I didn't even ask you to respond, and everybody was like, nope. All of us in this room know in this moment that you would not want anybody to see your thought life all the time. Some of that deals with privacy, I get that. But, but, but while we look like we have it all together here on the outside, the reality is, is that we would be mortified if people could see sometimes what's going on on the inside, amen? And so what I want you to hear, church, this, this morning is, is when, we, when we talk about character, when we talk about how do we build this character, I really believe that we've got to see the way we think, and we've got to see the thoughts that we have, and we've got to see the things that our minds are dwelling on, and we've got to begin to change those things into the image of Christ. And so um, th this is why people write books on, you know, the mind is the battlefield and the battlefield of the mind and all those kinds of things, victory over darkness and the mind. And so this is why, because we know that it's a prevalent thing in our life. It's prevalent. It's all over where our minds and our thoughts can begin to affect our character. And when the enemy can get a hold of our minds and our thoughts, he can manipulate that for his ways and not the ways of God. And so... Um, I want to encourage you, if you get a chance, you can take some of these scriptures down. We've got a lot of scriptures today that I want to go over. Um, the first is, if you've got your Bibles, open up to 1 Peter chapter uh, 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And, uh, um, you know, you can read 100 scripture verses. If you do a, a word search, you can read 100 scripture verses that talk about and have studies on what does it look like to strengthen our minds. 
What does it look like to renew our minds? What does it look like to submit our minds? What does it look like to bring our thoughts into captivity? You can find a hundred scripture verses just on what it looks like when we're dealing with our minds. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Peter's writing to an audience um, that he's just kind of shared some hope with. Um, and, and so he opens up, and I'm gonna just read this real quick. He says, therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. Preparing your minds for action. <laughs> I love this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to stop right there because in context, I think it's important to read it in context. When he uses that therefore, he's setting up everything that he's about to say based on what he's just said. Now, if you get a chance and you go back and you have time to read the first few verses before 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, before you read verse 13, read the verses before that. He's just talked in that moment about what our hope is based on, that we have a new birth in Jesus Christ, that in Christ we've got this new birth, that in Christ we're a new creation, that in Christ we have this new birth because of what Jesus has done, and that new birth has brought new hope within us. Amen, church? That when you come into Christ, you know, we know this because Corinthians talks about it too. The old is gone, the new has come, we're a new creation. Not just, not just refurbished, he's literally made us new and he gives us a new hope with that. So Peter is building on this. He's like, because you have this new hope, because you have this new life in Christ, he's like, listen, you need to listen to this warning because this is happening. He says, prepare your minds for action. Now, why would he say that? Why would he say, be sober-minded? Why would he say, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ? Because Peter knows and he understands that what is about to happen when we come into Christ and we are a new creation, a new person, we've got a new hope, he knows that the enemy's coming after us, amen? So he wants us to know, get your minds ready, sober up, because it's about to get real. And so if you notice in our scripture verse here, he doesn't say um, prepare your, uh, he says prepare your minds for action. He isn't concerned about our bodies, he's concerned about our thought life. There are three actions that he gives in verse 13. He says prepare your minds or be alert, be sober-minded, set your hope, and, and all of these deal with our thought life. And here's the reason. Because in 1 Peter 5, 8, he tells us something about the enemy. And he says this, be alert and of sober mind, <clears throat> your enemy, whose enemy? My enemy, right? Your enemy, our enemy. This isn't like an enemy of some. This is your enemy. Every single person in this room, okay, every person in this room, you have an enemy. We've talked about this the last few weeks. You have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's got his dominions that follow him around, his whatever. But at the end of the day, he is after you. He wants your life. And so he says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, if we were just to take that at face value, we'd be like, what does that mean that the devil roars around like a roaming lion looking to, 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 to devour someone? What does that look like? I mean, is he actually a lion? We know that. No, he's not, right? We, he's, so what is he looking? What's he looking to do? What's he looking to devour? How is he looking to come after us? And I would just tell you, and I would make this statement that I believe that most of the time when the enemy is coming in like a roaring lion looking to devour and destroy you, what he's trying to do is come into your thought life. 
and he's trying to bring fear and intimidation and he's trying to bring in thoughts that are not of God and he's trying to bring you to a place that God wants you to be at and he's just trying to bring you low. So is he really a lion coming after you in the physical sense? No, he's not a lion coming after you in the physical sense. He is a lion that wreaks havoc in your mind, amen? And he wants to still kill and destroy every thought that you have of God. And he wants to still kill and destroy every thought that you have about how God sees you and how you see God. And so when we, when we look at this, this is why he says, be alert and of sober mind. He doesn't say look around, you know, and, and look for a physical lion. He says, be alert and of sober mind because it's about to get real in your mind. And then he says, and, and then Paul tells Timothy the same thing in 2 Timothy 4, 5. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. You know, I, I'm just throwing some, some scripture out here because I want you to hear this. There's a common theme throughout scripture about this identity of keep your mind, keep your head, keep your thoughts, because the enemy is coming after you like a roaring lion to try to destroy those thoughts. And so um, the question then is how do we prepare our minds, Right? Because at the end of the day, what does it all hinge on? It all hinges on what our mind is based on, what our mind looks like, what our mind is looking at, what our mind thinks. And so I want you to hear this. If there's nothing else that you take this morning, I want you to hear what Scripture says that we've been given. We've been given the mind of Christ. Let me say the mind of Christ. I tell you, man, God has given us everything. You know, it says, literally, how much more does the Father want to lavish upon us? He's not withholding anything from us. He's given us his love and his grace and his mercy and all these things. But here we get to see something that I think some of us just absolutely miss when we're reading through the scriptures. And that is that God has given us the mind of Christ. He talks about it in, in, in Romans 12 that we're supposed to have the renewing of our mind. Everybody says, how do we have the renewing of our mind? Am I just supposed to think better? Am I just supposed to think differently? Because I don't know about you, there are times where I know I need to renew my mind and I just try to think better and it just gets worse, amen? There's times in my life where I just try to think better. Somebody says, just be positive, Aaron. I'm like, I'm trying to be positive, right? And it just gets worse. So am I just not doing something right? Am I just missing something? And here's the problem, and here's what I think that we're seeing in Scripture is that what we're trying to do is we're trying to renew our mind just to think better and not renew our mind to think like Christ. So at the end of the day, when he says that we get to have the mind of Christ, and I'm going to read it here in just a second, I want you to know he's not saying for you and I just to think better. Just just wish it and really try hard, and and if you really try hard, you're just going to think better. He said, no, no. Every thought of man, what's the Old Testament say in the days of Noah? Every thought of man is on evil all the time. So just trying to think harder isn't going to get me there. But having the mind of Christ is. So, so let's read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 11 through 16. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. And we have, listen to this, here's the key. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. This is big. Every believer needs to hear this. If you're in this place today and you've said yes to Jesus, you need to get this. You've been given God's spirit, look, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. He's not trying to withhold church. There's not, God's not up there going, I'm trying to withhold. He wants you to get this. And then look at verse 15, skipping down to verse 15. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. Those who are spiritual can evaluate, somebody say that next word. One more. All. 
all. Someone who is, those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? <clears throat> but we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Let me, let me just take us back real quick. I'm just totally, this is like not even in my notes. This is a side note real quick. Let me just take us back in, in, into Genesis for a minute. Adam and Eve, man, they're put in the image of God. They're put in the garden. Things are beautiful. Things are wonderful. They've been given the mind of Christ. They, they can eat of any tree from, from, from the garden. They can eat from the tree of life. The only one that they can't eat from is from the tree of the what? Everybody say knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge, the mind, right? Of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Adam and Eve, they're just, things are good, man. They're in the garden. Things are working themselves out. Now notice when Satan comes and tempts Adam and Eve. He tempts Adam and Eve so that they would eat from the tree of the knowledge. Somebody say knowledge. Of good and evil. Now, Adam and Eve at this point in time, they've got the knowledge of God. They're walking around with the mindset of Christ. There is nothing else that's going on around the surroundings that they're buying into except for the things that God has done and the goodness of God and the fantastic nature of God. And then all of a sudden, we know the story. Eve gets tricked. She takes a bite of the fruit, gives it to her husband. He takes a bite of the fruit. And do you remember what it says? Their eyes were open, but their eyes were already opened, weren't they? Like they could already see, they were walking around, they weren't blind, nothing in scripture says they were blind. Something in their mind was opened. Something in their mindset was opened. They gained knowledge that they didn't have before. And it says they noticed one another were naked and they were ashamed and they ran and hid. There was a change that happened in that moment where they once had the mind of Christ and that's all they had and they lived in the garden. They didn't know anything else except for the goodness of God. They traded that mind of Christ in for the knowledge of the flesh, for the mind of the flesh, for the mind of our own nature. And so from that point in time, I would contend with you, church, that the battle started raging in the mind. Amen? Amen. Am I going to have the mind of Christ or am I going to have the mind of the flesh? Am I going to have the things that I want in my mind or am I going to have the things that God desires for my life? And so from that point in time, there's been this warfare for our mind. Jesus comes back on the scene. Jesus gives his life for you and I, gives us his spirit. This is why it's so important that we know this. We've received God's spirit so that we can know the wonderful things about God. And then he says this, and now you have the mind of Christ again. Amen? Okay, so let me just break this down real quickly, what Paul is saying, all right? He's saying this is important for us to get no one knows the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God. God's heart, God's wisdom, there is one person alone that knows this, and this is the Spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit. But then all of a sudden in verse 12, he says this. Oh, and by the way, you've been given that Spirit. This is huge. John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. So here the Holy Spirit, it, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit coming. When he comes, he will tell you about the things of God. You will be able to know the things of God. Again, God's not withholding. He wants us to know these things. This is the mindset that we walk in. And let me tell you why this is so important. Jesus gives us back the mind of Christ that the enemy tried to take from us at the fall and then Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says this. So because of that, listen to what he says. Since you have been raised to new life, remember what Peter was talking about. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. 
where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. That last part, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Anybody ever struggle with not thinking about the things of earth? <laughs> yeah, that's the warfare, right? The warfare is that here, Paul's given us this exhortation, think about the things of Christ because you have the mind of Christ. Think about the things of Jesus because you have the mind of Jesus. Think about the realities of heaven because that's where you dwell. Not the things of earth, which is everything that your flesh is going to run after, which is everything that you're going to pursue, which is that desire within you to go, no, 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 I want to have the mind of myself. I want to do the things that I want to do. I want to say the things that I want to say. So he says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Well, what are the things of heaven? The things of heaven, an inheritance that never spoils or fades. The things of heaven, that we've been adopted into his family, that we are sons and daughters of the king of kings, amen? amen. That we've got value. What are the things of heaven? The fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I missed a couple in there, right? But these are the things of heaven. What are the things of heaven? That we can have hope in the midst of darkness, that we can have peace in the midst of turmoil. These are the things of heaven. And so Paul, literally, he's going, look, there's a battlefield for your mind. The devil is roaming around right now to wreak havoc in your thoughts. And, 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 and where you once traded the mind of Christ for the mind of the flesh, Jesus has come to give that back to you. Now, now this is why this is important. Because I want you to hear this. I, I think that in, in terms of why we were meant to live the way that we were meant to live in, in we've got chaos all around us. You know, I had a great ch chat with Devin about Guatemala and I'm sitting there listening to these stories about all of the devastation that's over there and the, you know, gangs and trafficking and drugs and all these different things that are happening over there. I'm like, God, how are you, how are you gonna get into those places? And he's like, um, when you trade your mind of the flesh in and you have my mind, you'll get into those places, Amen. Like, this is where we get to be Jesus in those places. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. This is where we get to go and we get to walk into places that everybody else says, don't go to. Don't, don't walk into that place. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. We know who we are in Christ. We know what Christ can do. We know who Christ says we are. And so we walk uh, with that authority. So um, real quickly, what does that look like then with application to you and I's life? Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 told you I got a lot of scripture. Um, I know we're not just really camping out on one today, but it's important. I want to build something up over the next couple of weeks. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Now, I want you to think about that. In other words, um, we don't fight with armor. We don't, you know, put armor on outside of our spiritual armor, which we know about, the the armor of God. We don't fight with politics. We don't need to fight with politics. We don't have to fight with money. We don't have to fight in our humanistic ways of things that we want to do in, in ways that we would think that we're going to fight. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So I just want to just hang on that for a minute and ask, first of all, how have you been fighting your battles? <laughs> when you've got warfare that's happening in your mind, are you fighting your battles in the world's way? Because he tells us something different. On the contrary, the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. Now, here's a, this is important. He just says we have weapons that demolish strongholds. Well, what are strongholds? What, what, what do strongholds look like? Arguments. We demolish arguments and every pretension, every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 
and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So, so here again, Paul is bringing in this thing going, look, there's a warfare that's happening in your mind. Your thoughts are under attack. Your mind is under attack. And when your mind and your thoughts are under attack, it's going to decimate your character as well. And he's saying, look, at the end of the day, when these thoughts are coming into your life, come at them with the things that you know to be true about God. Because the thoughts that are, the, 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 the enemy's tactics to wreck the thoughts in your life are simply to bring down your knowledge of God, who God is. Every thought about God. And so he says, take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And so Paul is talking about this battle to destroy these strongholds. And these strongholds could be worldviews that we hold of entitlement or materialism or, or whatever it is. They could be personal attitudes that we have of worry and fear, approval of people, guilt, resentment, insecurity, uh, of offense that we've picked up somehow. All these things can be strongholds in our mind. And so we've got to make a decision, like how do I walk out of those? Like what's the application of how I walk out of those? I'm gonna give you three things real quickly of how we walk out of those. Number one is we have to feed our mind with truth, amen? We have to feed our mind with truth. Scripture says you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. Who leads us into all truth? Scripture says the spirit leads us into all truth. Um, this was so good. We're in a class on Wednesday night. Tom and Donna McCride are teaching a class and just uh, foundations of the Christian life and, and, and growing in our relationship with Christ. And so we talked a lot about body and, and soul and spirit and what does that look like and how just the enemy wants to come in. And, you know, the soul, we typically think of the soul as your mind, like what's happening in your mind, your will, your emotions, and how the enemy wants to come in and wreak havoc over your soul. And one of the things that um, Tom had shared is he said, there are times that we have to speak to our soul and remind ourselves who we are in Christ. Look at Psalm 42. So we've got to feed our minds. We've got to feed our minds with the truth. Look at Psalm 42, verse 6. David is having a conversation. He says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Anybody ever sat there and talked to your soul? Like, I don't know if it's here or not, but like, why, oh soul, are you downcast? David's having a discussion with his soul. He's speaking to his soul. Why, oh soul, are you downcast? Why, are, uh, soul, are you so disturbed within me? Look what he says. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. So David is speaking truth into his life, is he not? David is speaking truth into his life. He's going back and he's speaking the truth into his life of this. Why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God alone. Has God failed you? And David's like, no, God hasn't failed me. He's talking to himself, all right? I want to see a lot of believers talking to themselves. Uh, first talk to God. But then I want to see you speak in life and truth from what God is doing back into your life. I, 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 man, just real quick, one more. Paul. I, I love Paul. Paul in, in, first, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul's in prison, penning this letter, and he says this. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. He's talking to himself. And because of my chains, most of the believer, most of the brothers and sisters have com become confident in the Lord and they uh, dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So here's a guy who's in chains. He's speaking truth into his life of I'm setting in chains right now because God's doing something. I'm setting in prison because God's stirring hearts. 
And so he's speaking truth into his life. And when he speaks truth into his life, he's setting his mind on things above and not below. Real quick, number two. So feed your mind with truth. Speak to your soul, man. Why so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God alone. Uh, number two, free your mind from destructive thoughts. We got to free our mind from destructive thoughts. It is so easy for us to be a prisoner of our own thoughts. Amen? Come on. It's so easy for us to live in a place where we are prisoner to our, to our own thoughts. Um, and l- let, me, let me tell you what James tells us about. And when I say our own thoughts, let me tell you what James says in James chapter 114. He says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their, everybody say their, own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There's something within each one of us in that flesh nature that we're battling with. Yes, the enemy comes in. Yes, Satan tries to breathe lies. Yes, he breathes deceit and fear and intimidation. Yes, all of those things. But there's this flesh nature within us at times. Paul talks about this in Romans that he contended against. He's like, I do the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. And he's like, it's just battle within me, right? There is this thing inside of us where sometimes we can become prisoners of our own thoughts. We've got to free our mind from destructive thoughts. I love this quote that I heard from Chris Valentin. I shared it at least 10 times last week. Uh, Matt shared it with the youth, but I think it's something we all have to get. He was talking about temptations and thoughts that come on us. And he says this, look, we can't always stop a bird from landing on our heads. And I'm like, where's he going with this? He's like, we can't always stop a bird from landing on our heads. He says, but we can stop it from building a nest. He says, sometimes the thoughts come and they land on us and we've got to shoo it away. But we can stop it from building a nest there and living in that destructive thought. Amen, church? And then the last thing is this. We have to focus your, our minds on the right thing. So, so we're feeding our minds with the truth. We're freeing our minds from destructive thoughts. We're focusing our minds on the right things. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I go back and I say, okay, so if we're supposedly thinking about 50 to 75,000 thoughts a day, I wonder how many of our thoughts are true and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. I think that sometimes when we talk about focusing our mind on the right things, um, we have to remember that it starts with guarding our minds from the garbage that we put in, amen? There's an old cliche that we used to say that garbage in, garbage out. Proverbs 15, 14 says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. The same is true about what you and I see and hear and we put into our life. Psalm 101, 3, I love this. Psalm 101, 3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. This has been convicting for me. We, you guys know as a church, we're fasting together on Thursdays. Um, every Thursday, or you can just pick one Thursday in the month, and we're just digging in. And so it's so crazy to me because it felt like this last Thursday we're fasting, and the more that I was fasting, I, sh- I just saw how much I set my eyes and my heart and my ears on stuff that's just worthless, amen? And it's not necessarily like, oh, that's so bad or that's so damaging, but it's just simply 
It's not pointing more things to the things of Christ. And so we've got to guard our hearts and we've got to guard ourselves against some of that garbage that comes in. And the way that we do that is that we test everything. We test everything that comes into our thought life. Psalm 139, 23 says, again, David's crying out. He says, search me, O God, know my heart. Like, know what's going on in here. Try me and know my thoughts. Like, God, just come in and know my thoughts. And he says, and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So there's times we gotta come and we just gotta ask, Lord, what thoughts are in me that are not of you? And then we gotta put that helmet on our head, the helmet of salvation, Ephesians 6, 17 says, put on the helmet of salvation. That, that, that word salvation, I love that. You've been saved, you've been made new, you've been redeemed. So this morning, um, I just wanna challenge you with this. We're, we're going into a season of Easter and uh, man, I just believe God wants us to build our character as a church, like what we're thinking about, what we say, we're gonna talk about the tongue, like what our attitudes look like. Like I just feel like God wants to build our character. And so this morning, if your thought life is just, you feel like your thought life is just out of control right now. Or maybe, maybe you struggle with just a critical thought life. Or maybe if you felt like you had to write your 50,000 thoughts down a day, like the majority of them would not be of the things of God. If your thought life is a struggle, man, if your mind is a struggle, I just want to pray over you guys this morning. We've got some prayer team leaders that will be up here. They're going to be in the corners. As always, we'd love to pray over you guys. If you need just prayers over your mind, maybe you just need your mind to just ease up a little bit. They'll pray over you guys. We're going to close out with this song. So let's just go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you, God, that you are in control of all things. And this morning, Jesus, I thank you that... Um, we don't have to sit there and try harder to have better thoughts. I don't have to sit there and say, I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna just pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm just gonna have good thoughts, good thoughts, good thoughts, good thoughts. But rather, God, I'm gonna trade my mind for the mind of Christ. I wanna give up my mind that dwells in the flesh, God, and I want the mind of Christ. That's what I want more than anything else. And so God, I pray that there would be some folks out here today, God, that are ready to trade their thoughts over for your thoughts, that they're ready to trade their minds for your mind. And so, Father, from that, I believe we're going to start to see godly character built up in each one of our lives. We're going to be sowing in good thoughts. And I believe we're going to be reaping good actions. And so, Father, I pray for the person in here, God, who's dealing with the thoughts of fear and anxiety and worry. For the person in here, God, who deals with the thoughts of lust and, and, and a struggle with that, God. For the thoughts of a critical spirit and oppression, whatever it may be. Father, we pray against those thoughts. And we pray that we can trade that mindset for the mind of Christ. We love you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We got to stand up. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.